You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, good afternoon. Let me try that again. Good afternoon. Great to see you here. Uh, if you're new, if you're visiting, a special warm welcome to you. Uh, delighted that you're here with us. And uh, we pray that you would sense something of the power and presence of God. What, a, what an incredible time uh, in our main run of worship there to sense the Lord doing so much work in people's lives. And I have a sense that he has not finished. That was not a piece done. That was part of what he is doing. And so I need to get a hurry on because I think we need to come back to a place of lifting him up today. I do want to encourage you uh, to pray for our nation and obviously, we have a new prime minister this week, and whatever you make of him, our nation needs the prayers of the saints of God. But I want to tell you, God has a plan for the United Kingdom, and he has not finished with us yet. And uh, so, people of God, we need to pray like never before. Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, also, I do want to say to you, I know many people are, are in holiday season. I know some of you aren't and won't be. Some of you will have been away. Some of you not going away. Some of you yet to go away. I, I understand all of that. Um, but I know many of us were in some sort of holiday season, maybe got some holiday to take or maybe the children are off from school. Something changes at this time of year. And just real quick, I want to give us five tips for this season, if this holiday season for you. Number one, take a breath. Take a breath. If your life like mine is, is fast and furious and you're juggling demands and life can be intense, then it's good to take a breath. It's good to try and practice the biblical discipline of Sabbath, but also to recognize the seasons in a year. And if this is time where you can take a breath, then do that. Be intentional. Try and manage your time. I know for us, we've had a, an incredibly intense first half of the year. And I know as soon as the 1st of September comes, we will be off again. And it's really tempting to, to drive forward during August where we've got some space to do some things. But I actually know for the sustainability of what God wants to do, we need to breathe and encourage you to do the same if that's relevant for you. I, I want to encourage you in this summer to be kind to your soul, to be kind to your soul. I don't know whether you've understood that you are spirit, soul, and body. And there are some things in your life which will replenish you. It will well, they will replenish your emotions, some things that make you feel whole again, feel like you have rejoined the human race. And we are wise if we come to understand what those things are. I didn't realize this in my early 20s. If I had a day off, my day off normally consisted of competitive sport, going shopping, watching the TV, none of which actually replenished my soul. And I had to understand that rest comes from restoration and there are some things that are restorative to my inmost being, like going for a walk in the countryside or doing something creative and reading a book rather than watching a screen. Those, those things work for me. It'd be different things for you. But try and attend to what those things are and be kind to your soul in the summer if you're trying to rest. Thirdly, don't spend money you haven't got. That's, that's my third tip. It's really, really simple. Don't spend money you haven't got. I think at Christmas and, and holiday season, it can be tempting to spend money you haven't got, but it won't actually help you. And very simply, we can do things that that are beautiful and make memories that are really simple. I remember growing up, uh, my mum my always used to uh, prepare picnics. It was really just the food we would have ate anyway, but eat it in a different place. And, uh, and I can remember on days like today in the summer holidays, uh, we would have a picnic in the bedroom. 
because it was too wet to go outside, but we weren't going to eat in the kitchen, and it just made memories. I remember when our kids were little, almost every holiday, we went camping. Not because I love camping, but because we could afford camping. But I tell you, it made some great memories. So don't spend money you haven't got. Fourthly, I encourage you to stay close to the Lord. Again, it might sound incredibly simple, but I'm amazed how many people that I meet who come out of a holiday season where the routine has changed, and actually there's more space, but in the absence of routine, some of the disciplines of life go out the window, and people drift in a season where they could have grown closer to the Lord and actually feel distance from the Lord, and enter September having to sort themselves out. I want to encourage you just to walk closely with the Lord, to work out what your worship playlist is going to be. If you're You've got a, a spiritual book that's going to feed you and nurture you. What your reading plan is going to be. Take time to sit before the Lord. If you're away from Coventry, visit a church somewhere. We almost always do that. And I want to tell you, wherever you go, if your heart is open, you'll receive something by going somewhere. And uh, I encourage you to do that. And finally, invest in important relationships. This is my fifth tip. This is summertime. Invest in important relationships. I know for many of us, there's families represented in the room, a time to invest in family. And uh, if that's not relevant for you, for key friendships, those that you're seeking to nurture and strengthen and develop, this can be a good team for that. Well, that's not the message today. That's like the bonus disc. Um, the message today is this, praise your way out. Praise your way out. I wonder if we can say that together. Wow, what an incredible sound of praise has been in the house already. And I want to commend you as a congregation for knowing something of what it means to push in. But I felt the Lord want to speak to us about the power and the significance of praise. Praise is powerful. There is something that happens in me when I praise God. The, the injunction of Scripture that we'll find the word praise 422 times in the Bible, nearly always it's that we should praise the Lord. But I want to tell you, it's not because God is insecure, wondering if he's okay, waiting for somebody to lift their voice and say you're faithful, for him to go, oh, I thought I was faithful. I just needed that. You know, like sometimes we need a word of encouragement. The Lord doesn't need a word of encouragement. But something happens in us. We were desire and created to praise him. You know, praise is a weapon. I said praise is a weapon. Praise is part of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, are mighty to the bringing down of strongholds. And one of the weapons that brings down strongholds is the weapon of praise. Uh, in 2 Chronicles 20, we see uh, the armies coming against Judah and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he, he ends up responding to a word from God and sends out the army, the, the Lord having already said the battle belongs to me, and he puts his worship team at the head of the army. The singers go out first. Those that were leading us this morning, it wouldn't be the foot soldiers, it wouldn't be the archers or the cavalry, it's the singers, it's the worshipers that went out first. There is power in praise and as as Judah lifted up their voices of praise to God, God set ambushes against the enemies. There is power inside of praise. You'll see it in the walls of Jericho. But I'd like to take us today to two stories, one in the Old Testament, one in the New. The first is in the book of Jonah. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to the book of Jonah. And, and here we see an example of the power of praise. Somebody in a restricted position who probably didn't much feel like praising, making a decision to praise, and change happened. I believe change happens 
when we praise. And Jonah, he praised his way out of the situation in which he found himself. Many of you will know the story. The word of the Lord had come to Jonah to go and preach against the great city of Nineveh. But Jonah didn't want that assignment. And so he decided to run away from God. Who knows you can't actually run away from God. But Jonah wasn't that bright, and he tried to run away from God. And so he headed in the opposite direction, and he found a ship that was sailing in the other direction to a place called Tarshish. But who knows that the Lord is still on the boat. And so there, God comes and and stirs up this massive storm, and and the the ship that Jonah is on, he's sleeping on the lower deck. The sailors are terrified because it looks like everybody's going to die. They throw all the cargo off board to try and and offload and make the vessel lighter. And they end up finding Jonah and, and they, they dig him out and say, wake up, what is going on? Who are you? And they end up casting lots to see whose fault it is that this storm has come against the ship and Jonah's number comes up. And they say, who are you? What do you do? He says, I'm a man of God. I I serve the living God. And they're all absolutely terrified. They're like, what on earth have you done that we find ourselves here? And Jonah says, look, why don't you throw me overboard and then you'll be all right. But they don't want to do that. They say, look, if we raise our hands against you, then who knows what your God will do to us. And so they try and sort it out, but they can't sort it out. And in the end, they throw him overboard and the sea becomes quiet. And in that moment, God sends a big fish, the Bible says. Jonah 1, 17, now the Lord provided. I want to say to today, the Lord provided. The Lord always provides. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. The truth is that when Jonah, after three days and three nights, begins to pray... Sometimes it can take us a moment to get to that place of prayer. But when he got to that place of prayer, he begins really just rehearsing his situation. If you read the opening of that prayer, he's really telling God what God already knows. And he says things like, there is seaweed wrapped around my head. It's like, well, okay, great. Thank you for that, Jonah. But then the man of God begins to arise within Jonah. And this is what we see, chapter 2, verse 6. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. I don't know if he's prophesying, but something of faith is arising. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. You know, Hebrews tells us to bring a sacrifice of praise. And here, Jonah said, but I, with grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. He says, what I have vowed, I'll make good, and I'll say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Beautiful. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord this time and went to Nineveh. There's a different set of circumstances, but in some ways a similar story found in Acts chapter 16. It's the story of Paul and Silas. This is what the Bible says, breaking in at 1616 of the book of Acts. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around 
and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, which by the way was a, was a cell inside the prison that had no daylight. That was, I mean, it's as it sounds, it was the cell inside the cell. And there he put their feet into stocks. About midnight, can we all say about midnight? Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I bet they were. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, sorry, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole household. You know, today we can see from these stories, one from the Old Testament, one from the New, that when praise comes forth, even in the most desperate and challenging and demanding of circumstances, the Lord delights to bring a breakthrough. Three observations today. Firstly, the reason, the reason for your season is irrelevant to praise. I, I, I hope you hear me right because you might be going through the worst situation of your life uh, and you might be wondering why is this happening to me but I need to tell you that if you're going to praise your way out the reason is actually irrelevant. I'm not saying I don't care what is going on in your world, but if you get stuck trying to work out the reason, if you stay stuck dwelling on the reason, then actually it will stop you from bringing forth the praise that will break you out into your situation. This is what happens. Many of us, I think, we, we get consumed with the reason for why we are where we are, why things are going on. You know, sometimes it's our own stupidity. We can make choices or do things and find ourselves in a difficult situation, and we can find ourselves dwelling on our own errors. We can find ourselves saying, oh, why am I so stupid? Why did I do that? Maybe Jonah might have felt like that in the belly of the great fish. Don't you think he might have sat there going, oh no, now look at me. I'm here in the gastric juices. He's being bleached. He's in this fish. I mean, surely he's going to die. And if he's not going to die, there's only two ways out of a great fish and neither of them are particularly attractive. And he's sitting there and if I was Jonah, if you were Jonah, wouldn't you be saying, I'm such a fool. Why didn't I obey God? Why did I do what he told me to do? I'm so stubborn. I'm such an idiot. But let me tell you, the thing he needed to do was lift his voice in praise. 
And when he began to praise God, the situation turned around. Dwelling on the reason won't change things. Sometimes it can be things that other people have done. And we can feel so hurt and so upset and we can rehearse that moment and we can have imaginary conversations that never happened and we're running around it and running around it in our own self-talk. Hello, am I I talking to anybody today? Why did this happen to me and we can start blaming God? Lord, why have you deserted me? Why have you allowed this? I can't believe they did this. This is so unfair. This never happens to Uncle Donald. Why, why is this happening to me? There's all sorts of things can go on. And actually what we need to do is stop dwelling on the reason and lifting up our voices and bringing praise to Almighty God. To praise our way out of the situation. There is power that is found inside of praise. You know, we look at Paul and Silas, and it's incredible. They were on a mission. They were preaching Jesus. They'd cast out a demon. They were, they were doing what God had asked them to do. They were being obedient to him, and then they found themselves beaten and flogged, their feet in stocks. They're in the inner cell. But the Bible says about midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. They'd understood. Dwelling on the unfairness of their circumstances was not going to help them. What was going to help them in that moment was to release a sound of praise. And in that place, God did something incredible. I can remember learning this principle when I was uh, fairly young in the faith. I was, uh, I'd been to university and then I came back. I did like an internship year with a church, and I remember managing to get a job. I, I desperately needed a job to pay my way through the year, and I managed to get a job working for a supermarket. And I was told that the job would last for the whole year, which is exactly what I needed. But then it started in September. About Christmas time, I was offered some short-term but very lucrative work. But it was going to be over in three weeks, and it wasn't going to last the whole year. And I remember going to my manager at the supermarket and just trying to be really honest and open and, and saying, you know, I just want to ask you, I know we said at the start of this contract it was going to last for the whole year. I just want to check this is still the case. It's going to last for the whole year. He said, yeah, it's going to last for the whole year. So I turned down the lucrative offer, and I carried on, and I worked through the Christmas period. But when I got to the first week of January, that same manager called me into his office, and he didn't even ask me to sit down. I came in, and he said, you can pack your things and go now. And I said, what do you mean you pack your things and go? He said, we're, we're, we're done. I said, what? I, I, sorry, I don't understand. He said, we don't, he's like, spoke to me like I was stupid. He said, we don't need you anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? You said this would be, he said, I know, but we're, we're done. Pack your things. I said, what now? He said, yes, now. I mean, literally, I was shaking. I was in the middle of a shift. I said, but what about Tracy? She'll be on her own. He said, I don't care. I can remember I got my stuff out my locker and I started walking up the road. Have you ever seen somebody talking to themselves? <laughs> I like I, having a rant. Like, I mean, I, I was, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what happened to me. And I remember walking, walking home. I said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. He said this and he said this. And then I started having an imaginary conversation of what I should have said to him when I was in his office. <laughs> And I'm there, I'm having a rant, I'm talking to myself, and, and I remember I went home, there was nobody in, and I just decided, I, I, just, I don't want to do it. I, I went out for a walk, and I, I was like, oh God, you know, what's going to happen now? I've, I can't afford this year, it's, I don't know if we're going to be able to pay my fees. It's, and then, do you know what? Something started to stir in me. Something started to change in me. 
You see, I could have dwelt the whole time on the reason that I was where I was, the, how unfair that it was. But something happened when I began to praise and I started to say, hang on, Lord, you've never let me down. If I, you are the God who got me that job. And if you can get me that job, you can get me another job. Lord, you're the same God who, who is faithful yesterday, today, and forever the same. Lord, you are the one who is Jehovah Jireh. In fact, that supermarket, that's not my provider. You're my provider. In fact, your arm is not too short. In fact, your, your hand is abundant. In fact, you are enough. In fact, you created the heavens and the earth. In fact, my God, you are the one who put the stars in the sky. I don't think it's going to be too difficult to, for you to provide for me this year. And I will praise you because you are worthy to be praised. And I want to tell you, as I began to release praise, something happened and shifted in me. Uh, and I, I had a release on the inside. I was free. I want to tell you, my circumstances had not yet changed, but I was entirely different. I want to tell you today, I can't guarantee an immediate change in your circumstances. Although in my experience, those who learn to praise their way out, it's not long before situations that need to change begin to change. Because praise is a key. But I want to tell you, when you praise your way out, you can find freedom right where you are. I don't know if you notice in the story with Paul and Silas, I find it amazing. They praised to such an extent there was this earthquake and the doors come off and the chains come free, but they don't go anywhere. I tell you what, if that had happened to any of us, we'd have run out of that prison. But he goes, we're all here still. Because you know what, when you find freedom, in a place of trial, when you praise your way out, you don't even need to move from where you are. Because I knew that God was going to provide. I, I, didn't, I didn't need my situation. I, I did need some money to come at some point. But I was not desperate because I was in faith. Let faith arise. We've been singing this morning. I'm not going to live by what I see. I'm not going to live by what I feel. And we sing these songs, but are we going to live it out? And I want to tell you in that moment of privacy, I found such freedom. Two weeks later, a job was created for me, which was so much better than the previous job. The goodness of God. I want to tell you the reason for your season is irrelevant to praise. Don't let a dwelling or a driving after that stop you from bringing praise and bringing breakthrough to where you are. The second thing I want to... Uh, draw to our attention is that the time to bring praise is before and not after. The time to bring praise is before and not after. I guess I've already begun to say this. If you want a change in your circumstance, don't wait for the change to bring your praise. Bring your praise and then wait for the change. Or better to say it, begin to praise until the change comes and then carry on praising. But don't wait for your circumstances before you praise. Bring praise on this side of the miracle. That's why it's so significant what is happening here today. I sense in this service in particular that there is there's faith for miracles. The Bible says in a certain place that the power of the Lord was present to heal. It's the power of the Lord not always present to heal, but sometimes there are moments. And I believe in this place today there is the potential for miracles. But praise can be a key our praise, that we're not waiting for the miracle to happen to bring praise and thanks, but we're going to praise on this side. Praise on this side of being spewed up on the beach when you're sitting on the inside of the big fish. Praise on this side of the prison doors flying open when you're beaten and changed, chained. 
I want to tell you, in the place where there are no guarantees, are you going to praise the Lord? In the place where nothing yet has changed, are you going to wait for the situation to change? Or are you going to be the type of person that says, I'm going to praise him anyway? It's like those men of God that were thrown into the fiery furnace and says, we, we will not worship anyone else because our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. Habakkuk puts it like this, that the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines, the olive crop fails, the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk is making a decision. He says, when there's nothing, when there's no harvest, when, there's, when there seems like there's no provision, yet I will rejoice in the Lord because that's who I've determined to be. I want to ask, who have you determined to be? Psalm 34, David writes, on the run, he's fleeing for his life from Saul. He's, he's, had, to, he's had to act like a madman. He's had to feign insanity in order to, to save his own life. And at that moment, the Bible says, he writes Psalm 34 that goes, I will extol the Lord at all times. Wow. He didn't write it in the palace. He didn't write it when, when, when the country was at peace. He, he didn't write it when Saul had fallen on his sword and he knew that God was going to make way for him to be king. He wrote it when he's running for his life and he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us extol his name Together, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. You know, my friends, there'll be times when you don't feel like it. In fact, that's the whole point. You won't feel like it. And that's the moment where you need to praise. Don't wait to feel like it. We need to understand two things here. Firstly, our, our praise will increase our faith. Our praise will increase our faith. You might think, well, my, my faith will increase my praise. Well, that's also true because if I believe that God is good, which is my faith, I can declare that God is good. That is my praise. But I want to tell you also, your praise will increase your faith. When we declare the goodness of God, we believe the goodness of God. There's a principle in the Bible that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Faith comes when we hear truth. When truth is declared, when we hear truth, faith arises within us. This is a whole issue with the spies going into the land in Numbers 13. Some things are said that are unbelieving and some things are said that are faith-filled. And there is an impact. The faith response to the confession of the people of God. But I need you to understand this here today. You don't listen to anybody more than you listen to yourself. You might think that you listen to your spouse more than you listen to yourself, but I tell you, you listen to yourself more than you listen to anybody else. What comes out of your mouth, your internal speak, is what, is what forms what you believe. And that's why your faith will increase, your praise, I'm sorry, will increase your faith. When you make a decision to praise, when you make a decision to speak some things out, it will increase your own faith. A wise man once said to me, you need to learn the principle of mount Mouth, heart, mouth. That's what we're talking about. He says sometimes we, we struggle to get in our hearts what we need in our hearts. The Bible says from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But what if what is in our heart is what 
not what needs to be in our heart? How do we get the right things into our heart by speaking them out? When I declare that God is good, I begin to believe that God is good. And in believing God is good, I can declare that God is good. It's the power of praise can increase our faith. Some years later from the supermarket situation, we'd, we'd got uh, our two sons at that time. Uh, Nathan was little and, and Esther had been working as a physiotherapist. I was working for a church in, in ministry and Esther had gone from full-time to part-time. And, and then we had Nathan and uh, we're trying to work out whether for Esther to go back to work or not. And I remember Esther getting to a place of saying, you know, you know, in this season, I'd, I'd love just to invest in the children and, and to be a full-time mom. And I'm not saying that's, that's right for everybody, but that's what we wanted to do. And when she said that, I was, I was really excited. I thought that's going to be so good for us. And then I did the maths. And, and I remember it was not a good situation. I can remember uh, we, were, we were two to 300 pounds a month short, and we were living in a in a small house, we were driving an old car, we, weren't having a, we were not living an extravagant lifestyle, but whatever way we looked at it, we were short. There was gonna be too much month at the end of the money. And I remember feeling really frustrated because I'd, I'd halved my salary to come into ministry. I was trying to serve the Lord, I was trying to do what he'd asked me to do, and now I find myself in a situation where we couldn't step into what we felt was right, and I remember feeling frustrated with God. I don't know if you ever got frustrated with God. I've got frustrated with God lots of times, let me tell you. And if you feel surprised by that as your pastor, I want to tell you, he's secure enough that when I tell him that, he's not surprised. He knows everything about me. And one of the key things that we have to come to learn is to be honest with God. And I remember going for another walk. If you ever see me on a walk by myself, leave me alone because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm probably doing some business with the Lord. And I remember going for another rant. And I remember that everything that came out of my mouth was faithless and was negative. I was like, Lord, I can't believe this. I'm so frustrated about this. That this, is, this is such an annoying situation. And I can't even provide for my family. And we sense you leading us to do this, but we haven't even got the resource to do this. And, and I'm just telling him everything of my situation. I'm saying, Lord, I've got seaweed wrapped around my head. But you know when you have an epiphany, you always remember where you were. And I don't know why it was, but outside of Wilco in Nottingham, I had an epiphany. And I came, and I remember I literally stopped. I'd been walking and ranting like one of those mad people, but outside of Wilco, I stopped, and I said, what is this voice that speaks as if God was not able? Hang on a minute. Who, who is this faithless voice? It was my voice. But I was like, what is this faithless voice that speaks as if God, who has always provided, who has never let me down, who has come through from the moment I was born, as if he's about to stop doing that, or he who has been able to do all things is suddenly no longer able. I thought, hang on a minute, I'm not having this. I said, God, you have been good to me. Lord, you have been faithful. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And I can remember something started to arise in me and I started walking again and it was a different walk. It was a faithful walk. I started to release my praise to God. I started to declare that he is able. I started to declare that he is the one who provides. I started to speak out that God is the God of the universe. And something happened on the inside of me. I want to encourage you, my friends, that uh, our praise will increase our faith. 
You know, the truth was I had a seed of faith that provoked my praise. But it was the release of my praise that raised my faith. And by the time I got home, I was a different man. I was in a different situation. I remember saying to Esther, we're going to be all right. We're just going to step out and trust the Lord. Within something like two weeks, I had a phone call from a friend who owned some properties and asked me if I'd help to manage them and take a fee and, and guess how much I was going to get a month. It was about 300 pounds because the Lord is able. And we provided through that season incredibly. But I learned the principle that my praise will increase my faith. The second thing that we need to understand here is that our praise is a decision, not a response. Uh, I hope you hear me right here because our praise is always a response at one level to the goodness of God. Our praise is always a response to the one who laid down his life for us and the one that is able. But I mean that our praise sometimes needs to be a decision when we don't feel like it. It's not a response to everything going our way. The time, now if everything goes your way, you can praise God, right? I mean, why not? You should do. If everything's just going right, everything's perfect, you know, you're not going to be wondering why is this. You're not going to be stuck in trying to work out the reason for the blessing of God. You're just going to walk in it and you're going to praise Him. But sometimes we need to praise when we don't feel like it. When there are no sheep in the pen, when there are no cattle in the stall. And I'm going to make a decision. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And Jesus in Luke 4 says this, Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing in me. And he goes on to, to say, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. And get this, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or a spirit of heaviness. You know, the enemy will try and come and put a spirit of heaviness upon you, but the Lord has bestowed on you a garment of praise. But here's the thing about a garment is you have to put it on. To bestow is to be presented with something. You see, if I, AJ, come and join me. You see, if I, if I bestow on AJ my jacket, that means I present it to him. I, I bestow on you a jacket, AJ. But who knows that unless he actually puts his arms through the sleeves, then nothing's happened. He has to put it on. You're all thinking what I'm thinking. <laughs> Looks better on him than on me, right? I will praise the Lord at all times. I praise you, Lord, this jacket looks better on AJ. Why don't you just clear off? Um, the point is that we have to put it on. We have to put our praise on, friends. He's bestowed on you a garment of praise, but you have to put it on. That's why you, you'll see me. You'll never see me on the front row not engaged because I've made a decision. Give me any opportunity, I'm going to praise him. I'm, I'm not going to wait whether I feel like it. You might think, well, your life is so rosy and perfect as a pastor. You've got no idea what goes on in our world. But I've made a decision, I will always praise the Lord. I've made a decision, I'm going to put my praise on every time that I can. I'm going to lift my voice and sing. I'm going to raise my hands in praise. So long as there's breath in my body, I will give praise to the one who is worthy. And I know that he is worthy and he's worth it. But I also know it does something good in me. And let me tell you, there are some days where it is a decision. It's not a response for every single one of us. You know, think about Paul and Silas. It's hard to conceive really what they went through. 
There they were just going about their business, doing, doing the work of God. And they get arrested for doing the work of God. And they get beaten up. Their, their backs ripped out. They get beaten with rods. They, they get flogged severely, the Bible says. And they get thrown in this inner cell. But about midnight, let me tell you, at midnight, you don't feel like praising when your back's ripped open. But they made a decision. I don't know if you've ever thought about that moment, if you've ever thought what that felt like they're there and they're, they're in these stocks. I bet their ankles were ripped and their backs are ripped. I bet they're there going, oh, this is tough. But they start to pray. They start to, something within them rises up. They start to say, God, thank you, Jesus, that you know what it is to, to have your back ripped out. Jesus, you saved me. Jesus, you gave your life for me. Oh, and I'm going to praise you. Thank you, God, you are able. You're able to deliver us from this situation. Lord, we trust you. We will extol you at all times. Our praise will continually be on our lips. And one of them starts singing. I raise a hallelujah. Oh, in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah. I bet the other one goes, oh, come on, man. No, let's do this. Okay. I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I'll raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I'll raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. And I'm going to sing in the middle of this storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roll up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I want to tell you in that moment, and I, this is preacher's license, but I get the feeling when the sound of praise from that inner cell reached heaven, the father's foot started tapping so loud, and heaven's drums started beating so loud that the ground where they were sitting was shaken. There was an earthquake, and the doors came off the hinges, and the chains came off, because this is the power of praise. And I want to tell you, there's a time when you don't feel like it. That's the time you need it. That's the time to lift your voice. When you're down in the dumps, when you're low, when you feel as though you've got the dust of the devil thrown on you, that's the moment to lift up your voice. And it might take a moment for you to find your song. Let me tell you, never lose your song. Never lose your song. The enemy will try and rob you of your song. You need to learn, uh, learn the principle of singing when you don't feel like singing. Until something starts to arise in you. Until you hear the resounding echo of the rhythm that comes from heaven that unites with your faith-filled spirit. Something happens and you will praise your way out. Why did the band come and join me? We're, we're pretty much done. But I just want to thirdly draw us to the idea that the impact of praise is for others, not just for you. The impact of praise is for others, not just for you. We've mentioned the Philippian jailer, but did you notice that when Paul and Silas's chains came off, the Bible says in Acts 16 that everybody's chains came off. And something happens when we get a breakthrough in praise that goes wider than ourselves. Something that, that, that will impact other people. It might be your testimony that in another season you can share with a brother or a sister and will give them the faith to trust God and to break through. It might be that the presence of God will come and so fill your situation that it will have impact on those around you. 
Your countenance will change. You'll go into work and someone will say, what's happened to you? You look different. And you'll share with them the power of praise. My friends, it's time for a response. I'm going to invite us to stand together. Because there's no point just talking about it. We've got to do it. We've got to put our praise on. And I know there's people here in a hundred different situations. And a hundred reasons why you might not feel like praising. Although you sounded pretty good earlier, but in this moment, I want to encourage you to lift up your voice, to begin to speak out that God is good. Maybe you felt like God has deserted you. Well, now's the time to say, thank you, God. You will never leave me nor forsake me. Maybe you, you've thought, I don't know how this is going to turn around. Now's the time to say, God, you are able because nothing is impossible with God. It's time where you are to lift up your voice. Let me tell you this. Praise is never silent. Praise is never a thought. Praise is always spoken. So lift up your voice where you are. Begin to release the sound of praise. Declare the goodness of God. Oh, we bless you, God.